This is an ABC podcast. Lock the doors. That's climate action now. This Prime Minister does not like scrutiny. The Labor Party is clearly embarrassed. This is a Prime Minister who cannot stand up for integrity. How good is Australia? Here, here. Those opposite are all smear and no idea. Hello and welcome to the party room. I'm Patricia Carvellis from RN Drive. And I'm Fran Kelly from RN Breakfast and we come to you in these very, very, very troubled, difficult and pretty scary times, PK. Yeah, look, they are scary and I think it's really important that we're quite upfront and honest about that. I think people are feeling deeply anxious and how can you blame them? We're seeing mass queues outside of Centrelink. We're seeing people's jobs demolished. We're seeing people... Well, the death rate in Australia rising. Clearly, if you look at the number of people now with coronavirus in Australia, also rising. Um, It doesn't look yet like we're flattening that curve. And that's the project. And lots of things are changing every day. There are new rules about the way that we should operate. It's called social distancing. That's the official word. I like to call it keep away from people. Um, Much easier to understand. (laughs) I say keep your distance. That's what I say. Just keep your distance, will you? Just keep your distance. Um, Nothing wrong with keeping your distance. But we're all embarking on some pretty fundamental changes to our lives Uh, Some people are able to continue um, in different ways, working from home and managing, you know, with kids learning online. But a lot of people don't have that level of privilege. People have lost their jobs. Other people are sending their kids to schools where they're just not ready to roll these programs out and they're in a very difficult situation at home with children without the skills. I think it's really hard. You know, PK, so much has changed in our world since we recorded the last episode of The Party Room. On last Saturday, that image now, which has really become a defining image of Bondi Beach packed to the gills, um, since then, everything has changed. The government's come out with another stimulus package. And since then, the National Cabinet, which is the state and territory and federal leaders, have met a number of times and come out with different instructions. So there's been at least three change or not changes, but three ramping up of policies and announcements and funding policies uh, from the governments. And that's all happened in a week. In a week, we've seen that curve of infection rates in Australia really turn, you know, sharply upwards. In a week, our lives have just changed dramatically. We've seen um, probably a million people by now um, headed to the dole queue, as you mentioned, those queues around Centrelink. Um, yet just in one day, Centrelink, the MyGov website, once it finally got up and was robust enough not to crash, had I think it was 280,000 people register on intention to register themselves for claims for that special government welfare payment, the coronavirus supplement. So, you know, these are dramatic times. People's lives have changed overnight. And uh, it's within that context that we're recording this, and it's within that context that Parliament sat for the uh, on Monday and sat for the last time, as it turns out, until August. And PK, that sitting was quite extraordinary. It was absolutely extraordinary, and the fact that the Parliament got together so quickly to pass what is a huge package, right? And the doubling of the unemployment payment rebadged now. I mean, that is if you just thought of if you just reversed a couple of weeks, Fran, and and you had said to me, oh, they're going to double the unemployment payment. I I wouldn't have believed it. That's how quickly things have changed in terms of the desperation here. The government constructing 
a package to help people survive. And really, that's the way that it's being framed. It's about survival now. We're not talking about stimulating the economy or keeping it going. We're talking about an economy that can't function. And, you know, this this package at $84 billion is so enormous and What's really interesting about it is the government doesn't say that's it. They say there'll be more. And right now we know that they're working on another one Uh, next week. And the other thing that was interesting about that, PK, sorry to jump in there, but talking about that one day sitting was that a package of that enormity got passed through the parliament in one day. Now, parliament sat late, but our politicians dealt with that quickly and efficiently and in a pretty unified fashion. And when you've seen how it rolled out in the US where they argued and bellyached about it for five days, uh, I think our parliament, that was a pretty uh, moment of glory really for the Australian parliament just to get on with it. Yeah, and we saw really the opposition play a very constructive role there. They they made suggestions about things that they would like to change. And we know, for instance, they've been arguing, so is the union movement, that the wage subsidy scheme that's been adopted in the United Kingdom uh, by Boris Johnson is a better scheme that covers uh, wages up to 80% uh, for workers that have lost their jobs uh, linked to em- employment. But also, interestingly, there is a cap on it. So... That they've been arguing for things that they would like to do, but but they didn't stand in the way. Like, for instance, in the government's enormous package, there was a way that people could access at a modest level superannuation to keep them going. Now, that is something Labor does not philosophically support, and yet it didn't stand mm. in the way of the package. I think this is why we saw it moved through the parliament so quickly so that politicians could leave again and we could focus on the health effort. This is a learning curve, let's face it, governments and oppositions and all of us, businesses, individuals, learning um, at a pretty fast clip right now because this virus is still out in front. We're trying to change that. Um, But just in terms of that call from Labor and others, many others, for the government to emulate what the British government do and give people 80% of their salary if they're laid off um, for a number of months up to a a ceiling. I think it's of $5,000 a month effectively. Um, Our government has argued that they didn't do that model because they've tried and tested in the past during the GFC the quickest way to roll out funds, and that's what counts here for people people who've really literally lost their income overnight, the quickest way is to use established mechanisms. And what we've got in this country is an established welfare safety net. Millions of Australians are on it, whether you're on Newstart, disability pension, you get family tax benefits. If you've got a MyGov account, you're there in the system already. So the idea is to work with that system and pump it out that way as quickly as we can. Having said that, the government's um, coronavirus supplement of 550 a fortnight is not going to be enough. It, it will have to be, it comes with other benefits, you know, like some rent support and things like that. There will have to be more for people, I think. But the big criticism that Labor, I think, makes fairly is that coronavirus supplement won't get paid to people until the 27th of April. Now, if the government's arguing they're using the welfare safety net because that's the quickest way to pump money out, fair enough, but then pump it out quickly, don't wait five weeks because people's paychecks have stopped coming now. Yeah, that's right. And that's a that's a big period of time to wait for many people, especially, you know, really heartbreaking stories of people literally on the last $10 they have. Mm. Uh, how do they keep paying for rents? How do they keep paying mortgages? All of these dilemmas people are dealing with in real time. People are 
devastated by this and it is just so much to take in. At the same time as they're dealing with the economic consequences, they're dealing with what we're all dealing with, which is the fear, the fear of trying not to contract the virus, the fear of um, wanting to actually flatten the curve, not wanting to be part of the problem. So we're all trying to reduce contacts. But outside those Centrelink offices, we saw the opposite of that. We saw a lot of contacts. So there are there are really difficult um, issues going on in terms of how to implement all of these policies, how to get this out. And, uh, you know, a lot of mistakes will be made along the way, I think. Just just in terms of what to expect next, we're recording this on a Thursday morning. I know that the Treasurer is working on more packages. I mean, you know, the, the government's been inundated by every single industry asking for a bailout package, Fran. I mean, every day, today again, a number of companies laying off not 20 workers, not 200 workers, but literally 3,000 workers at a time. You know, Virgin this week, 8,000 workers stood down. So every day there's a huge number of people who are needing some kind of survival support. That's the word for it, survival support from the government. So that's why, as you say, the Treasurer's working on more right now. And so the next one's going to be the retail rescue package, and that will be interesting to see what the government puts in that, um, both the union representing retail workers, the SDA, and the Retailers Association are sort of at one on that and have put their case to the government. Um, my understanding is that the government is sympathetic. Then, of course, there's commercial rents, Fran. Um, this mm. is so that essentially this is part of that too. This is so that if you're running yep. a shop, no one's coming to your shop anymore because people are socially distancing. You can't pay your rent. Um, it's it's about not getting people evicted or at least um, sort of an amnesty period. These are the options that are being worked through. Mm. It's, again, really expensive really complicated and never-ending. That's it. And um, as you say, the government's working on this kind of support for, um, well, businesses who can't pay their rents, like you said, commercial rents and commercial landlord arrangements and people, you know, household rents. There's over 8 million Australians who are in rental accommodation. Many of them have just seen their income disappear and they're dumbstruck, really, and terrified of how to pay the rent. So I, I understand the government's not really... I don't think the government's looking at directly subsidising people's rents. I think it'll be the states managing this by and large, and it'll be considering things like giving landlords some relief, like maybe easing up on land tax for a few months, getting rid of land tax for a while, or uh, local government perhaps putting a hold on rates for a while so that landlords' costs go down so then they can allow their rent, the people they're renting to, to also ease up on the rental payments. So all these things are being looked at. And at the same time, we are having the rule changes and the rule changes happening consistently. So the National Mm -hmm. Cabinet's been meeting. We're having these late-night press conferences from the Prime Minister and then the next morning this is the way that it's been working unless there's a change. And I know there's a big call for change because there's been a bit of confusion because of the different uh, messages coming out, all the explanations, but this national cabinet with the states, the premiers and the, the territory leaders and the prime minister changing the rules, going from you know uh, phase one to phase two, and now the states looking like uh, at least New South Wales and Victoria and the ACT wanting to move to the next level of restrictions uh, of of what you can actually open and not, what's essential and not. Uh, and it's, again, that's going to be a whole new ball game for people living in those states, but you can understand why they're considering it. Look around the world. New Zealand's shut down, the UK's shut down, everyone's trying to do it in a bit of a different way, but fundamentally 
the philosophy has been you shut things down and you try to stop the contact. And the more things you shut down, the transmission risk reduces. And that's what we're trying to do here. That's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to contain this thing. Should we bring our guest in? I think we should because there's plenty to talk about. Sabra Lane, the host of AM and the president of the National Press Club and a woman who has just been released from self-isolation after hanging out with a senator, Rex Patrick, who did test positive for COVID-19, although he's one of the uh, the people who, uh, Sabra, has it but doesn't actually have the symptoms, interestingly. But either way, you went into self-isolation, you're out now. Yeah, no, that's right. I did go into self-isolation. It was... Um deemed that I was a very, very, very low low risk. In, in fact, there's some doubt that he would have been infectious when he was at the press club more than a fortnight ago. But out of an abundance of caution, when uh, I was alerted to that, I sought advice and went into isolation for 48 hours, that being the remainder of the, the two-week period that I'm, I might have caught yeah. something if he was infectious. So we played it very, very, very safe as per the guidelines. So I stayed Good at news. home and didn't go anywhere. Yeah, good on you. Well, I'm sure while you were there, you were watching and listening to everything. And we've such an enormous amount has changed in this country this week. Uh, and PK and I have been talking about that, Sabra. Um, but one thing, you know, notable during that one day sitting of parliament was that uh, Labor led by Anthony Albanese, the opposition, trying to hit a largely bipartisan note with the government. But later this week, that broke apart a bit and Labor started coming out, urging the government to go harder on the lockdowns and also criticising the government's messaging, their communication strategy, saying it's confused. Do you think that's fair? I mean, things are moving quickly. Quickly. Some of it is quite justified. I mean, we had clear messages about haircuts and people who could attend funerals yesterday. Mm. And this morning, that was, you know, we had a message sent out via the Prime Minister's office saying, well, hang on, following a, the meeting of the National Cabinet last night, they've decided to drop the 30 minutes per patron rule effective immediately. Uh, but the four square to metre rule still applies. Originally, uh, it was that you could go to the hairdressers till they could stay open, even though the beauty parlours and the nail parlours couldn't. Hairdressers that's could, right. but you could only be in there for 30 minutes. And then the next day, suddenly that's gone. And it's gone because it was unworkable, right? Well, un- unworkable, but also, I mean, it was also in relation to funerals. You know, there was this guidance yesterday that 10 people could go to a boot camp, but um, when it comes to funerals, more than 10 people, you couldn't. And, you know, it, it is really hard. But, you know, there has been confused messaging about that. Yeah. Um, and not just confused and- messaging. You know, there's been some um, bad tone, I think. And there was one spectacular, all around the Centrelink thing. Now, they announced this new payment. They didn't, I think, expect that a million people would need to get on that payment straight away and a million people weren't expecting to, but that's the reality and it's pretty clear that Centrelink was behind the curve on this. They should have anticipated more and it was a huge challenge, but it was just the tone of the government, the way they managed this. It was pretty yeah, uh, pretty was, unfortunate, I thought. And it was way off the mark. We had uh, Stuart Robert, the Government Services Minister, out there straight away when there were reports that people couldn't get onto the government website immediately said that there'd been a denial of service attack, like a cyber attack effectively on, on, on the website, and that's why people couldn't access it, whereas we knew pretty quickly that thousands and thousands of people have been actually trying to get onto that website, and he had to later walk that back, and, you know, he ended up sort of 
shrug of the shoulders and saying, my bad. My it bad. Was, I mean, it, I just, I, just, my bad. I think it we should that hear that. Tone, actually, that. People were like, Let's what? just hear the tone because I really think this is worth hearing. This was Stuart Robert, the minister, explaining what happened, not quite apologising, but sort of apologising to Alan Jones. Let's hear it. We normally get about 6,000 concurrent users. We've prepared over the weekend for 55,000, uh, so a 1,000% increase. I didn't think I'd have to prepare for 100,000 concurrent users. Uh, I, again, my bad, not realising that the sheer scale of the decision on Sunday night by the national leaders that literally saw hundreds and hundreds of thousands, maybe a million people, uh, unemployed overnight. Oh, didn't realise. My bad. Didn't realise that bad. an entire industry had been shut down and we knew how many people were in that industry, didn't we, Sabra, because it's well, well yeah. known. How did they not realise? Mm. Well, they, we, we knew, you know, from Qantas alone, they said that they stood aside 20,000 workers. That was one company alone. Just using well, that term, yeah, my bad. bad, I mean, it was just all wrong. And, yeah. you, yes, as I say, this is a difficult thing to get right, but there were, you know, anyone could have done the sums and known there was going to be a lot of people on that website. And just to dismiss it with that kind of language, I just thought was awful. It's in- interesting, too, that we're, you know, as you mentioned, Fran, Labor has been trying to take the bipartisan route. Anthony Albanese sort of gave a doorstop yesterday saying that, you know, actually, there is a lot of confusion here. You know, the Prime Minister gave sort of a, a list of, of things that were happening and it was quite confusing. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that um, Labor is sort of saying now that the government hasn't got the right sense of this, that uh, the actions are confusing. And it has been also uh, critical of the messaging about schools, about, you know, Again, sending all these various messages saying that it's very important for people to stay at home and to observe the rules on social distancing, but it's okay for kids to rock up to school. So where are we at with schools? Because this is fast moving. We're recording this on Thursday morning. There's going to be more national uh, cabinet meetings and more determinations made. But Sabra, it's kind of an ad hoc system, isn't it right? In Victoria, they went to to holidays early. I know my kids keep telling me, but we're on holiday. Well, no, not quite, mate. Uh, And then, of course, in New South Wales, the Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, made it your choice as a parent. Uh, and of course, they're providing you know online options. That's what they're working towards. So the school stays open, and then the ACT they seem to be just moving to online education. It's a bit all over the shop, isn't it? Yeah. Well, ACT is going online. They're saying that whatever New South Wales does, it will be sort of bound by that decision. Uh, I thought it was also interesting today that the Australian Medical Association has sort of toughened up its language on this. It said mm. that go- the governments that want to take further shutdowns. For example, by closing schools down, we will support them. So it's interesting too that the Medical Association is going further on that. It's like almost signalling to the government to do it, we will back you in. I think the answer that we're getting to, which is have some some schools open and available for a small number of students is the answer, but everyone else pretty much keep your kid at home. But, of course, the stakes are high because it means kids are going to miss out, many of them, on months and months of education because not everyone is in a capacity to do homeschooling very well, online learning very well. No, that's right. Not everyone is in that capacity. and Not everyone is in that capacity to stay home either. But ultimately, though, I mean, the point has to be stressed. First and foremost, this is a health emergency. We're talking about people's lives at the end of the day. It is a health emergency and that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, if you... 
yes, Labor's been critical of the way our government's handled this, but if you compare it to the sort of rhetoric coming out of Donald Trump, who seems to be in a rush to get their economy moving again by Easter, our government has still, to be fair, um, made it uh, health the priority, haven't they? I mean, the, the Prime Minister did talk the other day in his press conference about the economy and be careful what you wish for, he said, in relation to cutting de- um, shutting down shopping centres. But it seems that still health is at the centre of the decision-making. It, it was interesting. Anthony Albanese picked up on this point because the Prime Minister has really been also emphasising the economics of this. And Anthony Albanese said yesterday that he felt that the government actually hadn't got the right sense on this, that it was resulting in some actions that were confusing, Uh, that first and foremost it needs to be a health priority, then you deal with the economic consequences. So clearly the government's trying to straddle both, but at the same time, given their message is stay at home, that is the message, Mm. but you're still keeping the shopping centres open it is confusing because you want people to stay at home, but you're providing a little bit of options around all of that. Is this why, Sabra, we're seeing New South Wales and Victoria and the ACT poised to go further and move to effectively an effective shutdown? Yeah, and I think they're getting their messaging along those lines now to prepare people for that. Exactly. I mean, we're seeing it in London now, we're seeing it in New York now, we're seeing it in South Africa for heaven's sake, we're seeing it in India, we've seen it through Europe. It was always inevitable, wasn't it? It was inevitable, but I mean, that that, that is the, the point though too. While, while we are saving lives, you, you can't ignore the economic consequences of what is happening. Here's the problem. Many people who will lose their jobs will find it very, very difficult to get another job in their lifetime. The other yeah. consequence too here of schooling is that Perhaps some kids, if you shut schools long enough, they will miss out on a year. And particularly older students, they may not go back and do another year of schooling. Yeah, that's Mm. a huge risk. Look, I've got a lot of teachers in my life and teachers are freaking out about that. The the at-risk kids and the engagement, how to keep them engaged, how to bring them back in. It's a really, really big dilemma. But what do you do when you've got a health crisis on your hands, um, the creative schools that are coming up with different ideas right now. I mean, yes, in Victoria, teachers went on leave early, but I can tell you from my own personal experience that they are uh, like up all night thinking about mm. how do we keep our students engaged because they do, they are really worried about the kind of outcomes if they don't. Yeah, and, and we haven't even talked about the health for health workforce yet. You know, the health workforce, I'm sure you're all like I am getting contacted by people on the front line, the nurses, the doctors, the orderlies, the allied health workers, and they are freaking out because they can see the demand increasing and they can see the resources they're getting are not going to be able to cope. They're worried already some major hospitals are instructing, you know, the nurses to use their personal protection equipment, the masks, the gloves, the the booties, you know, on three patients instead of changing them after every one, which is not being considered safe practice. And we're just at the start of this. So, you know, there are questions, I think, about whether our health our health infrastructure was as prepared for this as it could have been and should have been. But, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. It is. Yeah, well, it is a wonderful thing. And now the race is on, basically. We know that um, the government is trying to procure new uh, respirators. There's uh, an examination now of whether existing equipment can be repurposed to be 
ventilators for when the peak is is needed. So this there is this all, almighty rush happening right now to make sure that we have got the right equipment for when the expected peak happens in in April and May. Uh, and sadly, I mean, you know, people are going to lose their lives. Yeah, they are every day already. Sabra, thank you so much for coming into the party room, although it's fair to say the sort of party spirit is not as it usually should be, but we are still trying. We have to be resilient, don't we? And we have to, well, we do. as much as we can, we stay do. home. Hey, Sabra, we'll thanks see you on the other side, Sabra. Thanks we'll cross that bridge. Keep, keep, keep your distance, guys. <laughs> keep your distance. <laughs> we couldn't all be more distant. We're all in different states and territories. <laughs> We've really nailed it. See there you, Sabra. Bye. Well, that's it from us. And like pretty much everyone else in our country, and let's just go further than that, the world, we're changing stuff a little bit and we're changing the way we're going to do the party room. Now, for instance, Fran, you've been at home this entire time. Um, I like hanging out in your lounge room. Thanks. Uh, my but dining we are room, changing stuff. I'm in my dining room with my dog at my feet, weirdly enough, because then he won't bark so much. So Hi, that's how I'm That's how I'm broadcasting every morning. It's great. Now, we're not going to be in your podcast feeds as regularly, so it won't be every Thursday, but it will still be regular because we know that you need political analysis. There is still some politics, not so much a horse race, but an analysis, I think, Fran, and good questions to be asked about the management of what is a huge economic and health crisis. Yeah, and if you don't want to wait for the next episode of The Party Room, if you can't wait, remember you can always find PK on RN Drive at 6 o'clock on weekdays and me on RN Breakfast at 6 o'clock in the mornings. And I'm sure you already are, but if you're not, uh, Corona Cast on the ABC Listen app, um, co-hosted by Dr Norman Swan and Tegan Taylor, answers all your questions on the pandemic. I have to say that Corona Cast is just fantastic. I think all the questions that they get through, the information they bring, it's just wonderful. That's it from us. Until next time, as the Prime Minister would say, stay inside and keep your distance. See you, PK. See you, Fran. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.